Welcome to Crudely Drawn Swords, an actual play podcast about it's just talking. It's just all talking. <laughs> Endless talking. Yeah, but why does Bambi want to destroy the sword is my main question. Oh. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> why does Ben want to destroy the world? What's his game plan? What's the plan? What's it mean? What's the plan that he's explained for the last two hours <laughs> and the reasons he's given? Hmm. Half man, half machine. What does it mean? So... With us today, for your listening pleasure, are four of the finest members of the Hawks. And they are from left to right. I am Tristan T. Wilde, the bard, and yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you play Stuart Heading, yeah, I, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, in real life, I play Stuart Heading. We did say we weren't sure which of your personas was real. Yeah, I, I thought I had more to say. I did not. You do. I'm Magnus, and I play Banbury Lutes, the witch. Tidy. I am Gwyn, and I play Percival Cleft, the paladin. I am Ali, and play Enigma, Enigma, Enigma. And who knows what she is? She's a rogue. Oh, yeah. Speaking of who knows what, how did your Edinburgh show go? Ah, I'm sure it went excellently. <laughs> because this will be like, once I've come back, won't it? Yes. Oh, yeah, it was sellout. We had five-star reviews. Um, basically, they closed down the whole of Edinburgh and gave us like one of the big arenas. Who were the five stars that reviewed you? <laughs> uh, Cassiopeia, uh, Beetlejuice. I can't believe you sold out. Yeah. After all these years of being punk, you finally sold out. I have been ready to sell out for some time. Mm. <laughs> She's like, please, someone buy. Yeah, I recently decided that actually, if someone did offer me to sell out to do music, I was like, yeah, I would. Yeah, I definitely would. Yes, selling out's rad. That's like making a living from a thing you like doing. Selling out is the new punk. Yeah. When last we saw our heroes, they were having a long post combatal conversation. <laughs> Circular discussion. <sighs> and they talked to some friends, new and old. Enigma popped backstage into the Forest of Forgotten Animals to have a little chat with Daddy Ghost Pig. Percival Cleft put in a call with Akoni, his patron goddess. Matron goddess? It's, I don't know. Akoni hmm. on the phony. Akoni on the phony. Okay, sorry. Percival received a call from his godmum <laughs> and learned some useful information about good old Hector, an old friend from long years ago. As we left, everyone had roughly, maybe, hopefully, finished talking in circles and discussing the plans they're making for what may or may not happen when they reached the ancient city and ridden off in search of the opposite of adventure. So, you have a few days crossing the plain. When you started this journey, your guide Hoon suggested that it would be the easiest and safest journey you could ever have. Yeah, I remember that. Mm. And that proved not to be 100% accurate. Yeah, it turns out he was a complete liar. Well... And a bit of a bellend. Maybe he exaggerates a little. Mm. So... You have been promised some days of safe travels. And for the first time in a long time, you actually get them. Hooray! After the big storm, the weather continues to be fair, bright and warm. You have a few days of travel. There's occasionally days of flat grey skies. You get a few rain showers, but nothing like the thunderstorm that came over when Percy sought to commune with his goddess. And the terrain becomes more rolling and hilly. And you're occasionally passing steep-sided valleys. You see a few more of the skeletal trees with horns hung on them. 
and also banner poles sometimes placed at high points on the hills with various ribbons and small banners hanging from them. And these are meeting places of the riding people. If there's anything you want to do during these travels, let me know. Banbury's got something he wants to do. Yeah, okay. So tell me about it, Mag. So any point anyone tries to make any conversation, Banbury's just going to shush them. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Probably for the best. Yeah. Anyone's got any questions, even if they're relevant? Yep. It, Percy, I've got a quick oh, question. Sh- oh, sh- sh- what? No. Sorry. No. Okay. Save it. Uh, Save it for the... Yeah. All right. Okay. Rest your voice. You've got to sing for soon. Shh. Okay. Okay. Actually, there was something that I needed to... No, no Percy. ...to bring up. Ah. Oh. So, I did divine Hector and scryed on him somewhat. Uh, and... Was that, sorry? Was that somebody? Oh, I think... No, okay. It was just uh, maybe the wind's shushing you, but no, 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 carry on. Okay. Just, you know. uh, I did Divine Hector, and... <laughs> Do you know what? It, it can wait, it can wait. It's fine. <laughs> when Banbury is asleep, I'm going to sneak over to Percy. <laughs> Percy! Yeah, so you're taking evening watch. Yeah. Percy and Tristan are taking evening watch. Percy. Yes. I... Oh, wait. To be honest, I, I thought Banbury was probably sneakily actually awake, but okay, I, he's not. So that's backfired. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that was it. Uh, anyway, well, well, I was going to say something earlier. I might as well say it now, I suppose. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I divined Hector and was able to almost sort of sit in on a little war council that he was holding. From that, I learned a couple of things. One of which they seems to be using devices. Now I'm not sure if they were referring to the weird egg things that we found. Oh, the rugby balls. Yeah, or something new. I almost kind of got the impression it might be something new, but possibly not. And they were talking about creating more of them and using them, I I would guess, in some sort of hostile way. The other bit of news that I learnt was that they have... They've taken Farmouth, and they're pushing up towards Pariso. Seriously? Yeah. Like, so it's, it's done, it's overrun, it's... The, yeah, the, they seem to be celebrating that victory um, and really planning on where they were going next, but it seems like it's a matter of time, really, before they push up through the whole of the uh, Western Kingdoms. Oh, that's that's not good mm. news. So what are we going to be going back to, if anything? I don't know. Are we are we doing the right thing? <sighs> I know we've had this conversation and we're going to get... <laughs> 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 I mean <sighs> I think if anything it reinforces in me that we're doing the right thing I mean conceivably I'm one of the last of my order or certainly will be by the time we finish this so yeah this isn't something that we can give up now certainly not something I can give up we need to kind of view this with an aim of we have to get these people's help if we can if we cure the chorus, we've got to try and talk to all the riding people, the rolling people, the running people, and just get them to help us somehow. We're going to have to go back with an army behind us. That's the only way we're going to be able to do anything out of this. Yeah, absolutely. The The only thing I was wondering is whether the magic that they're using connected to these devices, and they were having something of a discussion about creating more of them or refining them or whatever, whether that is in any way linked to this curse or whether it's something that we can manipulate if we can work out what the the source of it is that's powering it. Okay. But let's just kind of hold that in our minds for a moment and 
press on, shall we? Yeah. We'll have a discussion when we get closer, no doubt. We'll recover this ground when we've had two or three days travel, yeah. I'm sure we'll cover it I'm sure. again and again and again, <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, Banbury, he's, he is improving, but if we can get him to kind of embrace this more, then he might be the key. He might well be. He is getting insanely powerful by the day. I mean... Especially with Trevor. As I said some time back, I always thought that his role was significant in some way. Yeah, but I always assumed it was just like to be a dirty little shitbag. I thought that, you know, who's the annoying kid no one liked. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I think maybe my idea of a significant role in yours might yeah. not be on the yeah. same level, really. No. Yeah. Well, we've lived different lives. We've lived different lives. I suppose, yeah. yeah <laughs> that's true. Well, I guess we've just got to try and think of a way to get him to see that. And also, without him going insane and doing the same thing that they're doing. Yeah. I don't. I feel like he wouldn't, but let's just be aware of that. And maybe secretly plan how we could stop him, if need be. There's so many things that are already insane. Let's worry about those things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go and stab Bambri in his sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to end it now before... Actually, I might test it whether or not I could stab him. <laughs> before you get attached. Yeah. <laughs> before you start feeling sentimental about it. Yeah. So, uh, a couple couple of days later, as you're moving on, you find that the vegetation is getting a little sparser and it's more grazed down. And there are large areas of this deep green grass that it's like pine needles. It's like this thick, stiff grass on the ground. I'm going to pick some and hold it up and say, this is sparsa. (laughs) (laughs) It has a resinous scent to it. And Kuhn says, it's sparser, it's useless for our animals, it's bitter grass, but the running people need it, it's their staple food. I expect we'll meet them before long. So do they, they just run? They run from place to place, yes. They travel the plains on foot and they always have. It seems like you and the riding people have kind of got a much easier deal than them. These are the riding people. <laughs> you mean the rolling people? Oh wait, they're your servants. These are the rocking people. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm very confused by this whole conversation. The running people are no one's servants, and they tend to be quite bulky. I, I suspect you wouldn't want to accuse them of being anyone's servant to their faces. But they're mostly kind and friendly people. And not long after, you actually meet a scout from the running people. She's got a goatskin sack strapped to her back, with a thick rope hanging from it, dragging on the ground like a tail. And she's very tall, about six foot eight. Wow, just a few inches shorter than Tristan. (laughs) (laughs) With golden skin, very wide shoulders and curved horns that reach around the side of her head. Her clothing is made out of panels of different woven grasses. (laughs) Yeah, that's wood. It's it's pretty impressive. Just fence panels. (laughs) It's like a sandwich board. It gives a veneer of neatness. (laughs) Uh, No, it's it's woven grass and then kind of braided into patterns of plaits and knots over it. And she has completely black eyes, a very broad jaw, very broad, quite rectangular face. Kia rides up to meet her and they converse for a little while. So you have the opportunity to meet her as well if you wish to. Otherwise, she'll converse with Kier. I mean, it would be rude not to... Yeah. Yeah, I'll go and speak to her, I suppose. Can we ask her if they're her real horns? 
Percy's probably the only one that can actually speak to her because none of the rest of us will speak her language. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, you take that back. Yeah, I'm going to... I'll distract Banbury so that he doesn't go insult her. I can go speak to her. <laughs> hey, hey, little buddy. Look at this. And I'm going to start kicking some dirt around. Hey, look, at, look what I'm doing. <laughs> She's actually converting in the trader's tongue. And as Kira approaches, you're close enough to hear... Oh, that's going to cost you. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't think that quote's right. Three oranges for a pound. Pen, pen. And everything's panned. Here, rides up and says, Here's the Zoltai. And the orc says, Savas Gelbrianyafu. I warn of the third storm, the tired king, the death gate. And here says, I warn of the coming ice. And I am Tristan Wilde. <laughs> the orc turns to you and says, Ooh. And what do you warn of? I warn of the black death of the handful of lung. <laughs> what? 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 She like nods slowly and says, I will return the nod slowly. <laughs> Your warning will be recorded. Excellent. <laughs> and make haste, fair maiden. <laughs> and then I shall nod at Percy and turn on my heel and kick dust in front of Bambury again. Hey, buddy, look. <laughs> You're back on your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> One of us has to be. He was never really off it. Full on bullshit. So does Banbury come over too? No. Okay, good. Probably for the best. I mean, this dust I'm kicking is really interesting. I want to see what he's doing with it. Like, it's probably going somewhere interesting. It's got to be going somewhere interesting. <laughs> I introduce myself as well. Hello, I'm Percival Clift. Nice to meet you, Percival. I've been travelling with you for some time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'd, I'd always wondered, but, but you've clarified it, thanks. And I'm, I'm Enigma. You were... Uh... I like what you've done with the horns. Thank you. <laughs> she says, what are your warnings, Percival Cleft? Um, running with scissors, swimming directly after eating. Um, Stay out the sun. And the forces of Hector approaching from the southwest. <laughs> <laughs> she says, they will be recorded. She turns to Enigma, what are your warnings? Um... If the fish swim up the mainmast, <gasps> the chances of returning home are slim. Hey, <laughs> to Blackbeard! <laughs> to Blackbeard! She says, this is a strange warning, but it shall be recorded. Wait, and the black handful of lung wasn't? These are a strange people. It was, no, that was the first thing she said to you, was your warning will be recorded. Yeah, but she just said that the other one was strange, you know. No, that wasn't strange to her. Yeah, cool. I mean, it sounded plausible, to be fair. Yeah, I suppose. That's the kind of warning she's accustomed to hearing, probably more than don't run with scissors. I mean, they are the running people. Telling the running people to not run is a bit insensitive to their culture. No, they can run, just not with scissors. <laughs> they can't cut things. They don't have scissors in their culture. They haven't been able to create any, because as soon as they do, just, you know, people fall on them. Well, they create them, and then they have to leave them, because they have to run. So they're like, oh, these scissors, I'm just going to have to put on a rock. Just pin two knives together and they've got scissors. Yeah, yeah, but how are they going to transport them? They have to run everywhere. That's the whole point of their culture. Well, just scale up the size until they're no longer scissors. Oh, I think that's that's got to be much worse, no? <laughs> like secateurs. Yeah. They're shears. <laughs> yeah, they become shears or... You never run with shears. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I have to put an official notice on in case there's any volunteers out there thinking, oh, I can get to the task site quicker by running with my shears. You never run with your shears. <laughs> <sighs> you do notice she's not carrying any scissors. Ooh, I think that's important. Yeah, yeah, that's highly significant. It's a cultural thing. 
Mag, write it down. Yeah. In fact, the only thing she's carrying right now is this backpack with the dragging rope. And that kind of smells a bit funny. There's like a perfume on it. Kier tells her about your encounter with the spotted horse and with the hunter of the southern ice. And she's quite interested by that. She's impressed that you saw off such a notable foe. Oh, we got XP for it as well, I'll tell her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've still got to take three spells, damn it! Right, I'm going to do that while you're jabbering. And she says that the Banyafu clan are heading this way, and so she's marking the trail for them, which is what this whole rope assembly is about. But there's no, like, immediate news from them. There doesn't seem to have been any trouble they're passing through. They've come straight across the plains. As far as they know, things are quite normal. So the plains to the west of here are relatively safe. But you're heading east, obviously. Oh, yeah. It might be the first time you've met one of the running people. And after a short conversation, she gives a little wave and just heads off in the direction she was before. She's quite blunt about it as well. Gotta run. Yes, very good. Thank you. She's like, right, I've heard all I need and just runs. And she runs pretty... She just kind of sets off at this really steady jog. <laughs> she runs pretty. <laughs> she runs pretty, yeah. It's, it's very elegant. Mm. She has quite long legs, actually. Quite fine legs for her bulky body. <laughs> <laughs> and a surprisingly short torso. <laughs> I'm in love. The opposite of... Uh, I can't remember who's got the tiny legs. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part that Tristan needs yeah. to create genetic perfection. I was going to say, having equally similar length legs, but a much longer torso myself, <laughs> I was surprised. You don't see the main clan travelling you're sort of going the same direction they are. But a few days later, you find a herd of goats. And a little ahead of them, you see a family with a couple of horses that are dragging, they have like harness and they're dragging some staves and they have canvas and packs on their backs. Kuhn rides up to them and greets them. And this is the first family of the Dun Horse that you meet as you're travelling along. Your journey continues and you move into larger herds and everything's more freshly grazed. There are larger groups. And Kuhn is quite excited by this point. Visibly. He seems in very ebullient temper and he comes back and he rides over to you and he says, We are going to be at the centre of the camp in time for year's bone. Nice. uh, (laughs) I'm just going to stride forward. I believe I can help with this. You did say he was excited. (laughs) He says, we should be there at the fire circles for the grand celebration. He should be quite humorous. No, I don't get it. Well, I suppose you wouldn't, to be fair. Were you going for tibia? You can really get to the marrow of it. I like your trying hard attempts. <laughs> They're the best. It was a stretch. It was a bone-breaking stretch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So soon you're passing among actual established camps. And so you get to stay in slightly more civilised conditions. You don't need your own tents. You get to stay in some big round gurs. Gurr. Gurr. A gurr is a lot like a yurt, but has a slightly different wall and roof wheel design. It's very popular. In fact, it's de rigueur. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh. Here, like among these people, there are a lot of animals. There are herds of cattle and goats and horses. There are a lot of flies. 
it's quite agricultural. The people are mostly very welcoming, especially when they see Hunan here. They're always welcome at every uh, at every home, and so you get to experience a few more comfortable nights, I suppose, and more prepared meals. You're not having to rely on what you cook at the end of the day. So you're getting meals of like lamb and dumplings, and so you're well catered for. Ben. Yes. Can we try and negotiate some trade with them? Of course. So, what are you interested in negotiating for? So, I need to buy a spinning wheel. Uh, now, I can't speak their language, and Banbury is aware that he's not the most personable individual, so he's going to ask Percy to do the bartering on his behalf. Yeah. One of the homes you stay in, there's quite a sophisticated spinning wheel actually set up. It's sophisticated, but you can also see that it's designed to dismantle and pack down quite small. I was going to say, we probably want as basic and easy to transport as possible ones. Now, Percy. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. I need you to trade these three magic beans with these people for a spinning wheel. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it, really. Okay. Uh, I don't know how to speak to them, so... uh, What do the magic beans do? Oh, you know, stuff. (laughs) I, no, I don't. They're, they're very magical. Just uh, explain to them. Like, it's uh, it's a good trade for them. Tell me what to explain, though. What do they do? Well, I don't know. Magic. Probably grow some plants and stuff. Might be real big. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there we go. Free magic beans. So yeah. <laughs> We're not coming back through here, are we? <laughs> I don't know. Possibly. Yeah, anyway. Why? Do you think it would be overgrown with bean plants? <sighs> yeah, they are. they'll just be covered in beans by that stage, so... Yeah. They'll probably like that. Yeah, probably. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, uh, try and get them down to two beans, because, you know, we're not chumps. Very well. I will go and speak to somebody about some magic beans. So this is in the go you're staying. There's, like, the family there, kind of, everyone sat around. And your host, who is also the weaver, is an elderly gentleman by the name of Karzan. Karzan? And his wife's called Jane. Karzan. <laughs> and he's got his family around him. There's like three small children. As you've travelled, kids in particular have been really fascinated by you because you're dressed so different and you look so different. Mm. And these kids are fascinated, particularly by Enigma. They're like looking at her eyebrow ring and her dreads and the... They know I'm rad. Well, they, they're more like, she's so weird, what's up with her? And they're kind of like really studying her intently. But also then if she looks around, they all then get super bashful and kind of try and hide. Yeah, they know how cool I am. And also in the tent is his wife and her other husband. And they're all sat round having dinner and Kuhn and Kira there and the four hawks sat round the sides of this tent. And there's this big cooking cauldron in the middle full of stew. And this wheel is on one side, along with other furnishings of the kind that can be packed down very easily. Okay, um, I will... Have I observed anything of the customs? Yeah. What I will do is prepare out of uh, our own provisions a short sort of service of um, mint tea as I have observed that that is something they do when sort of greeting in new people and receiving delegations that, that sort of thing yes so I'll prepare that and uh, take it over to the, the head of the family yeah and offer some to him yes 
uh, and say, are, are we able to talk a, a little business? I am always happy to talk business. Excellent. You need herbs? You need fabrics? I can do both. That sounds very useful. We were interested in particular in something slightly different to that. We're in the market for a spinning wheel, and we can't help but notice that there is one sat in the corner just over there. He, like, looks at it very proudly. He says, yes, this is an extraordinary creation. I purchased it from one of the rolling people many years ago. Ah, and how much did it set you back then? What sort of things did the uh, the rolling people trade for it? It set me back a roll of fine felt, the skin of five goats, and several bottles of the finest irag. I see. Well, I have some beans. <laughs> beans, eh? What kind? Oh, these uh, apparently aren't just any old beans. Um, these are beans infused with magical properties. Oh, really? Great. Uh, yes. I have a small collection of those, so I should be able to pin down exactly what they are. Yes. Expand your collection. Yes. So what what have you got? What have you got? Uh, here you are. You can in- inspect it if you wish. These are just beans. Uh, really? <laughs> these aren't magic at all. Well, they're not. He says, look. The magic was in your heart all along. <laughs> From his belt pouch, he picks out a smaller pouch and pours, like, three beans into his hand. And one of them has, like, this pearlescent glow about it. And another, you can see swirling stars deep within it. Magic beans. These are magic beans. Those are beans. Wow, they're really good. What can we offer you for those? (laughs) (laughs) He says, now, these, if you could get me a second outstanding spinning wheel, then we might talk. Hmm... I see. And where might we get... I happen to notice that you have a spinning wheel in the corner over there. <laughs> yes. No, you, no, you'd have to get me... I have one, but if I had a second... This right, is, yes, because you, because that's yours and you, yes, you need a second. Yes, obviously. This is the envy of everyone. I will be able to get a very good rate for it around the place. I think we're unlikely to be able to... I mean, if that little punk has just given me normal beans, then... Um, <laughs> is there anything... We come from a different place. Yeah. And the things that are of material value back home are not of the same worth uh, over here. So the things that we offer perhaps aren't going to be the things that you're interested in. What we can offer you, however... Um, schmeckles! Are... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, we can do schmeckles. He nods slowly. He's like, oh, yes, schmeckles. <gasps> no, I don't know what those are. No, yeah, no. So close. We... We have skills uh, amongst us, quite powerful skills. I mean, is there anything that we could assist with? So do these skills bring you, I don't know, I... Skills of healing, skills of divination. I mean, as a herbalist, I have access to some of that. But what I can use, and I don't know if you'd have this, perhaps it's an extraordinary art, but gold. I quite like gold. (laughs) Right, gold. We have a term, cold hard cash. Sometimes that does the trick. Yeah, so I've, I've misjudged this uh, little exchange completely. Have yeah. Um, Tristan, how much gold have we got? I'm going to come strolling over. Well, funny you should ask that. I'm going to root around in my pouch and pull out 1,000 gold. <laughs> he says, that'll do it. Excellent. He, in fact, he's like looks aghast. He looks stunned by that amount of gold. That's a lot of gold, Tristan. Is that all of our gold? It's some. A thousand gold for your 
This seems... No, no, no. It says, definitely, uh, definitely. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, absolutely no. not. But we can barter down to a reasonable price. <laughs> How much gold do we have? We have a thousand gold. Percy, do you remember when I said, go down to two beans and you've just offered a thousand gold? I think you don't start with the big numbers. Start with the little numbers. Yes, that was before you gave me normal beans, you little punk. Well, I didn't know this guy was going to know these weren't magical beans. Well, neither did I. <laughs> I didn't even know that they weren't magical beans myself. I know, and I was counting on that being a kind of everyone scenario, wasn't I? Guys, uh, frankly, I'm slightly appalled that you would try to rip these people yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we have gold. You want that thing. He wants gold. Or? Or? I could pickpocket it. What is better than gold? A spinning wheel, apparently. <laughs> oh, magic beans. Yeah, if only we had some. Well, I was going to say curing the land of its curse. I mean, that's a pretty good bartering chip, and then we can keep our gold. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't think he's going to believe that we're capable of doing that. Good sir, do you? Yes. He's like looking at you as though he understands that the noise you're making is probably language. Oh, Percy, ask him if he likes ogres. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like ogres? As we've got a one-time offer. <laughs> he says no, he doesn't like ogres. <laughs> ask him if he likes there being no ogres. We'll give you 50 gold for that spinning wheel. He says 50, this is worth 200. At least. Enigma, can you help me just get this out of the door while they're all arguing? Yeah, sure. I'll yeah. just get the other end. All right, to you. Percy, he's just held up two fingers. If he wants two gold for it, then let's just do it. <laughs> yeah, he wants 200 gold. I don't know how much a lot of gold is to these people, if I'm honest. Uh, unacceptable. And I'll hold up one finger. <laughs> 100 gold, your friend says? Um, it's his money, so sure. He, he raises his gold. He says, yes, a deal is done. 100 gold. Ask him if he's got a drop spindle. It'll be cheaper. Thank you. Tristan, pay the man 100 gold. He shakes your hand. By this stage, Ben, me and Enigma are halfway out the door carrying it. He looks over and he says, not like that. Let me show you how to pack it down properly. And you don't hear it at all. It's all right. We've already got it. But <laughs> Oh, he's seen us, Enigma. Scarper. Damn it. Run. <laughs> right, come, come. Uh, idiots. Your friends are very eager. Yeah. Aren't they just? Where do they suppose they're going? I don't know. We've spun our own story. <laughs> it's a great yarn. <laughs> I guess he's just really keen to get on and, you know, do some weaving. <laughs> he loves homely crafts, that guy. He says, well, may he gain much joy from it. Yeah, so he, he takes your money and he counts it through. He's like, this will pay for some quality magic beans. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Dashes it in his pouch. On the way back, we might be able to trade it back and trade it up because he'll really need a spinning wheel by then. Yeah, he'll have no clothes at all. We can turn this for a profit. I don't know if this is going to be in good enough nick. My plan is to curse the hell out of this and he, you to wang it at the, the ogre king or queen. I think it might break. Nah, it looks well made to me. That's why it's 100 gold. It is very well made. So whoever's carrying it, add to your equipment, well made collapsible spinning wheel. And that has a weight of three. Are you carrying it? Uh, no. Or shall I carry it? All right, well, you're strong. You're hench. Can you carry a spinning wheel? Like, ultimately, I'm going to curse it and you're going to wield it as a weapon. So... Okay. I'll add it to this because I definitely know how to use this system. Uh, gear name. Richard. <laughs> well made collapsible 
still think we should have just got a spindle. <laughs> well, look. I mean, you could literally get a potato and stab something through it. Does the same job, it's just that spinning wheels are a little bit more efficient. I don't know if the curse will be as effective if I just curse a spindle attached to a potato. I've said it before, Enigma. Witch's curses are very specific. Oh, spinning wheel, spindle. <laughs> I've got a bit of buyer's remorse because he was quite keen, so I feel like I've been had. Item done. Hey, uh, Percy, can I have my beans back, please? No. Yeah. <laughs> yes, finally, standing up to him, teaching the boy manners, discipline, all those things that he's lacking. Ah, <laughs> oh, I might not be able to carry it. It turns out that I was already on nine, somehow. I don't know what I'm carrying that's so heavy. Percy, can you carry this spinning wheel that you, we've purchased? Because we're weak and it's big. Yes. Percy, can I have one of those beans to eat? Uh... Yes. Um. <laughs> I might pop back into the shop. Well, this is where you're staying, so, like, it's not far to go. Oh. Percy, explain to him that we actually do need the assistance in how to pack this thing down. <laughs> I was just going to do that myself. Um, yes, if you could just show us how to collapse that down, that would be very useful. We got carried away. He says, certainly, and he shows you, like, you take a couple of pins out and you kind of springs down and collapses and then the legs fold up and it packs down really small and tight. That is good. Yeah, and it's very practical for people who are on the move the whole time. Mm. Here you go, look. Can we practice packing it down and remaking it so that we don't get there and just have a big packet of wood? <laughs> so it's going to be like a deck chair we were in the 70s. We're going to be putting together like, you yeah. know, when people yeah. do that thing where they put a gun together and clean it. But like really fast. Nice. Um, or with a, a with <laughs> blindfold. That's what we need to do. It's just like a pop-up tent. So he, he shows you that. He says, if you want another, you'll have to find the rolling people. And they have many ingenious people. This one's made by a halfling named Baujit. Very ingenious artificer. <laughs> yes. Wait, we do know that. If only we thought of this sooner. <laughs> we do know Baujit, yes. don't we? Yes, yes, I stayed with him when we were travelling. <laughs> and there was some fire. Yeah. So, a couple more days travel. Banbury, are you going to do your cursing now? Are you going to save that for when you're ready to go? I mean, again, we've we've kind of homebrewed quite a lot of the witch stuff, so it depends how long you want. Yeah. Does a curse have to be over days and days that I kind of put the magic in, and or do you want me to do it all in one go? How do you think it works? You're the witch, so... I think any spell that's going to affect an entire city probably isn't going to be an off-the-cuff moments thing. I think a curse like that's going to take hours and days and yeah. weeks, potentially. Years. <laughs> so like, however long we've got travelling, any time that we're stationary, I'll get the spinning wheel and I'll add to the curse and build it into it and yeah. get it bigger and bigger. Weave the curse into it, you could say. Although you don't weave on a spinning wheel. That kind of joke looms large, though, in the earlier part where we have more weaving. <laughs> Yeah, so there'll be a role on that as we approach our destination. Sure. Banbury's going to use his little witch's books to give him plus one forward. He'll also try and get um, Enigma to aid him somehow, uh, given she's going to be the one weaponizing this. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll figure out some way. I paid a lot of attention to the unique and authentic culture of the rolling people, and so I know a lot about these things. Also... Enigma is definitely not a princess, and this spell was initially meant to target a princess. Whew, so, Joe, I'm not a princess. Bambri will use that and the closeness and proximity to her 
to kind of reshape it a little bit so that it'll be some kind of ogre leader rather than some young lady. Nice. Do you think that her blood or some such could help give the spell more power? I don't know. I think if we put Enigma's blood on this curse, she'll run in there, she'll prick herself, she'll fall asleep, and we'll all be stood there going, ha ha, ogres! But I like how your first thought was, can we stab up Enigma? <laughs> Thanks, Tristan. Can we turn the spindle into nunchucks? <laughs> so the, the 100% chance of Enigma hitting herself with it. I like the idea that maybe part of this is like each night, Banbury is just conjuring an apple and then squeezing apple juice all over it. <laughs> so it's like increasingly covered in sticky apple juice. So it really becomes a bomb de terror. Oh my God. <laughs> you haven't done that one in a while. We almost made an entire series without that joke. Hey! So as you leave in the morning, they're removing the iron nail from the roof wheel, which marks the sixth day of the calendar. Wait, what happened to the Bone Festival? It's not yet the Bone Festival. Okay. You've got to wait for them to, you know, get the tents erected all. I shall pull my trousers back on then, because I was getting ready for that. I don't think a Bone Festival is going to be what Tristan thinks a Bone Festival is. Don't take this from me, Banbury. This is what my life has been building up for. Banbury's just expecting joints. This is going to be one massive orgy. I don't think the riding people are riding in that way either. I think there's a lot of stuff where Ben's setting you up for a fall here. Oh. Hoonscarv, alongside you. I say this often, but uh, I'm always right about it, right? Banbury's wrong. <gasps> ha! Really? So it is a boning festival? <laughs> <laughs> it is not a festival dedicated to boning. It is just the bone part of the year, just as the festival before it was leather and the festival... Coon, <laughs> Coon, <laughs> what's happened to you? It was the dogging part of the year. <laughs> festival after it is wood, right? Now there's three potentially dodgy things in this calendar and they happen to be next to each other. Bone, which is between leather and wood. And I did not think of that when oh, I was... Yes. I was like, oh, this will probably be funny. I didn't think this is going to line up to make three festivals that sound very pervy. <laughs> to be fair, if this Malahim thing doesn't work, I'm going to just spend the rest of my days getting leathered and boning my wood. Oh, I can't wait till the furries festival. <laughs> oh, this is going to be so good. I almost don't want to get to Malahim now. It's like the calendar of days. Feather, stone, leather, bone, wood, iron, silk. The knob day. The... Only we have the same calendar for the year, so the bone part begins two days from now. So you do, you get drunk and just have crazy orgies and loads of sex. We have a massive Ooh. party. There is dancing. There is fires. And... There are often a lot of duels. And, oh, I like that. Getting your weapons out. Yes. And sometimes, sometimes people do make new acquaintances. Excellent. Are they duels to the death? Not all of them, no. Some of the duels are only to scarring. Ah... <gasps> Are outsiders and strangers allowed to do the duels to the death? Uh, if so, I want to put every one of us hawks into a duel. <laughs> That's binding. The duels are not so much a sport. They are more a way of resolving disputes. We've got to start a fight. Oh. So I'm sure you will cause many offences. I will try to keep you safe, 
but please try not to cause too much offence, or there will undoubtedly be... We're going to have to have a word with Banbury about this, otherwise he's going to burn the whole place to the ground. No, don't have a word with Banbury about that. No, 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 look, I'm I'm Coon, Coon. I'm going to apologise for the way I, I've been speaking to you in the journey. I've been cranky. I'd just like to tip you for all your help. Uh, here, have some... Uh, have these magic beans. <laughs> Oh, real magic beans. Yeah. These are amazing. There you go, buddy. <laughs> See, I'm making friends. <laughs> he takes them, he gives you a big grin. He's like, yeah. All is forgiven. Ha. Sucker. And uh, he like uh, winks at Percy. Yeah. He's like, magic beans. <laughs> no, they're not. Puts them in his pouch very carefully. Hey, um, here. Here rides over. She has a little ahead. She just slows up her horse till you catch up. She says, Tristan. You've not really said anything in about four days. That bit where I was shushing everyone, she really took it to heart. And I appreciate that. And that's why I like you and not your brother. Yeah. I mean, don't feel like you have to kind of be quiet because Banbury said so. None of us are. My brother likes to talk and I prefer to listen. Hmm. I feel it will be more important for my place in the world. Well, there's a lot of guys that say they're a really good listener, but... You're going to like this. I'm a really good talker. (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe when we get to this festival, we should have a few drinks and just, you know, (laughs) if if you want to dance, maybe we could have a dance, you know? Stop trying to kill her off. That is not a way to win a duel. (laughs) Listen, I've got to practice for when I come. (laughs) We know where this is building. She says, you're... Very charming, Tristan. <laughs> Milady. <laughs> I think Ben's blushing. <laughs> but then she she doesn't really say any more than that. Yeah, she's got to play it coy. Yeah, and she's clearly that's it. She's clearly playing it coy. Or she's got a grievance and she's going to try and have a duel with me. So she's like, oh, this is awkward. She's talking, but she's also, she's often chatting with villagers and other members of the clan as you're riding through so she's kind of less around you than she was when they were your only guides so the next day you come to what is clearly the place they plan to hold the festival there is already a lot of girls set up in broad circles around fire pits and there are people butchering animals you can hear musical instruments being tuned up. Ooh. Pink oboes. <laughs> pink oboes, no, not not pink oboes, no. They don't play those around here. They only have one string banjos here. <laughs> so preparations are afoot for this evening's celebration. And here and Hoon lead you over to a girl that is slightly larger than many of the others and is decorated with banners that gleam with the Bones. weave of true silk and that are embroidered with a shape of a dun horse. Akun says, Come, my friends, you should meet our mother. He invites you into this lavish girl, and here says, She is quite friendly. She will be pleased to meet you, I'm sure. I too am friendly. <laughs> Not like that. Ah, I will rebutton my shirt. <laughs> she says, Please do. They lead you into this tent and... Seated on a carved low chair, again layered over with silk, is an older woman. She has a couple of people sat on ground cushions to her right. 
and a table on her left features various drinks and she has a tankard like a metal tankard in her hand and she's drinking from it as you come in and then uh, when she sees Hune uh, and here she says my little foals come to me she's dressed in a robe of silk but quite similar to their felt robes and you can see she looks a little like them her hair is graying she has braids at the side a little like Kia wears and then has other braids tied back but wears it mostly quite long and she embraces them both and then she says who are these guests you bring Kuhn says come over come over ha huh. this is Akeni Sadultai she is the leader of the first herd of the Dunhorse we're very pleased to meet you and these are our wards on our journey since we left the rolling people. And she says, very good. He introduces and says, this is Enigma. Hello. And she nods and uh, then they introduces Percy, Tris, and then finally Bambury. He's like, this is Bambury. <laughs> huh, quite the young man. I really wanted to do like a, and this is, and we'd have, I am Stuart and I play <laughs> Tristan T. Wilde. She says, I trust that our lands have treated you well. Not that well. <clears throat> we'll give her a deep, lavish bow. Milady. You have a beautiful home. Yes. Thank you for your hospitality. These lands are as not lush or green as any we've seen. <laughs> In all honesty, since we left home, these lands have probably treated us some of the best of any stretches of travel. Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. It was better than the sea. Yeah. It was better than both of the seas. Better than the, the desert that we crashed into. Yeah. <laughs> and that giant blob thing with green stars in it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's been eventful, my lady. <laughs> she says, these are wild adventures. Tristan, tea wilds, you might say. I look forward to hearing more of them. Help yourselves Let's to... Let's start from episode one. <laughs> <laughs> she says, help yourselves to drinks. And she indicates this table to her left. And there's just like a lot of different drinks on there most of them do look to be alcoholic i'll just start loading them into my bag then <laughs> i'm taking a swig out of each one some of them appear to be milk alcoholic milk uh yes it is nice basically soured mare's milk it's fermented mare's milk yeah it's like irag or something like that so it's pretty if you like fermented mare's milk <laughs> it's just the best drink uh, well, it's one of the more authentic drinks. Uh, they used to do it in one of the uh, bars by where I grew up. Oh, I bet they did. Uh, on the streets, you know, they they were they were. It was quite a multicultural area. <laughs> I bet it was. They used to do it with a curly straw <laughs> and curly fries as well. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have curly straws or curly fries here. What? Oh, we'll make you some. <laughs> Bambri's going to uh, get one of the glasses, sniff it, pour it out somewhere, get some of his magic beans, put them in, put some water in, and then use his fire powers to heat them up into a proper coffee. <laughs> You've got magic coffee beans. I mean, they're coffee beans. Why? Hoon is astounded by this. And he leans over to Percy and says, The beans were magic all along. I had no idea. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not an expert on beans. I mean... I thought it was just some bullshit. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely beans. I mean, I, I know that much. <laughs> I, I'm pretty good, but horticulture's not really my bag. 
King just says, apart from watermelons, huh? That was a great story. Yeah, it was a good story. (laughs) As the day continues, basically everyone has started drinking around early afternoon and you're you're invited into this tent and more people are coming in and helping themselves to drink. It's clearly a big social affair. And by mid-afternoon, it's getting towards very rowdy. Music is starting up outside and I was going to say I do want to go and find the musicians and yeah yeah so there's a lot of musicians here so this is the musical culture that Gantulga came from oh so you've kind of played with this type of musician now oh yeah I know the style so yeah if you go out and play with the musicians it like fits right in yeah I'm going to go and find the group that she told me about that she used to play with oh yeah yeah cool so I thought I'd go and see them and sort of take centre stage. They're sort of headlining the festival, so I said I'll go and throw a few tracks down for them. Okay, so they're actually hanging out with another group of musicians who are playing first. And as you come over, the singer who's called Kurdan greets you and he has a little bit of uh, the trader's language. So excellent. as you come over, he says, you're a musician, yes? I am. I'll sling the guitar around. I was sent to find you by... Kantulga says, "Ah, oh. I played a few few gigs with her." She said, "You know, you might have room for a little bit of guitar, a little bit of music. Maybe looking for the new sound." <laughs> he says, "The new sound. I have been looking for the new sound. I believe I can help with that." Give him a high five. Same, same brother. <laughs> he like high fives. He's like, "There's only so much throat singing you can do before you start to think maybe there's more to music." Yeah. Yeah, there is, there is. But I've started to throw a few of those throat singing tracks in. <laughs> started to um, really get into that wild stuff. Yeah, that's it. I thought, you know, I'd just come over, say hi. Maybe we could just jam a few tunes out tonight. I don't know if you can help, but I'm going to ask about the sort of musical stylings of the land and sort of try and weave that into the Malahim song. See if I can get some... Oh, yeah. See if they've got any knowledge about powerful songs or like any history of magical songs or things like that okay so yeah they have stories about songs that are magical and he he talks about how there are stories about singers whose voices could change the wind or singers who could sing their horse to them though they were miles away far out of earshot Mm mm-hmm and even heard one story about a singer who could heal wounds with just with the power of their voice. Huh. I'm going to nod at that one. Yeah, done that. <laughs> he says, I think it's it seems far-fetched, but it's a fine idea. Does, doesn't it? Hopefully we won't need any demonstrations this evening. <laughs> and so... Especially as I've decided, I'm just going to quickly tell you that I'm going to take the Eldridge Notes spell, which is going to double my healing. <laughs> Okay, cool. So he talks about this and maybe in your conversation, you start to figure out some things about how that works. Hmm. Ah. You start to figure out a way you could maybe even make it better. Tweak it. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Something that really fits in. Some sick beats. He gives, yeah, gives an idea of the, the themes they draw upon and... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And you can feel that in the music they're playing and the music you're hearing from the other musicians who are playing before, 
there is something of the harmony of this land in it. Mm. Whether the harmony of the land found its way into the music or the music shaped the land, you couldn't say, but there's a connection there. Is there any of the discordant notes of the land in their music? So it's like it's been slightly altered that they don't realise. Yeah, yeah, there is. Or not that they're contributing to it, but... So there, you do hear that slight discord. The, the curse is in the music. Mm. A little bit. It's crept in as it crept into all of life. Mm, okay. So Tristan has gone out in search of musicians. There's this moderately rowdy tent. Banbury is, has brewed himself up a delicious coffee. What, what are you doing, Enigma? Um, I don't know. Uh, I drifted off there. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely getting edited out. I'm probably looking around to kind of learn things about the culture. I know, I was downing a little bit of each of one of those drinks, wasn't I? Oh, that's true. Enigma was downing <laughs> a bit of each. <gasps> Enigma's making grog. In my own belly. Give me a defy danger and constitution. She's making grog of the belly. Grog of the belly. Ah, uh, constitution. It's somehow getting hotter, guys. <laughs> That's what she said. Okay, mixed success. You stumble, hesitate, or flinch. Enigma! <laughs> I never flinch. You are fairly drunk. Yes. But you have managed... You're not, like, severely impeded in an emergency. You could probably do your stuff, but you are quite drunk. I'd probably be better with my nunchucks. Yeah. You know that whole thing when you've had, like, a couple of pints and you're all right? Yeah. So... Well, I can't remember who did, a, um, who did a sketch on it. I'd probably be at that level if I had to get my nunchucks out in an emergency. So what's Drunk Enigma like? I think she's probably very talented and skilled with her nunchucks. Watch this! <laughs> I'd love it if we've had all of this calm, like, help from the writing people and then Drunk Enigma just absolutely cracks some old lady in the face with some nunchucks and then all of the music, all of the partying, everything's just ultimately silent as this old lady's picking herself up the floor and Drunk Enigma's like, oh. <laughs> oh. I like the idea that someone bumps into Enigma. She's, don't push me. I'm a princess, don't you know? <laughs> I'd have you beheaded. In where I come from, I've got a crown and a tiara and I can just <laughs> do what I want. I am royal. I am the best. I fucking run the place. <laughs> I'll be queen one day. You don't know. You don't know who you're messing with. We have crowns and thrones. <laughs> I'm actually in the middle of the dance floor, right, with my nunchucks singing, Everybody was Kung Fu fighting! <laughs> I've basically invented karaoke. No, Enigma is singing Dancing Queen. <laughs> <laughs> so as Tristan starts playing, Enigma just throws herself out into the dance floor and she's going crazy doing some crazy dance act with the nunchucks. <laughs> How's Percy getting on? Well, they all they all seem to be having a, a lot of fun, but yeah. To be honest, Percy's mind is kind of elsewhere. I think he probably have a few drinks to be polite, and then he's thinking about the Bone Festival. Um, makes excuses and leave, yeah. and dwell on the fact that everything back home that he oh, yeah. knows has just been destroyed. And on this journey, this is now the third party that we've stopped off at. <laughs> <laughs> and we're getting really 
quite close. So he's just going to excuse himself and let people have their fun. Um, he may do a little bit of divination at some point in the evening. Okay. I did actually want to jump in on that. Banbury wanted to go and ask Percy if we're still heading in the right direction because this does seem like a massive time waste. Percy will be able to confirm that you are going the right way. Okay. This is pretty much as close to on your way as you're likely to get. You've slowed down a bit when you're travelling through this kind of widely scattered group of moving communities, but you're definitely going pretty close to directly towards it. Okay, in that case, Bamboo will leave uh, Percy alone to divinate or whatever he's doing, and then he's going to go try and find Trevor. As Keir leads you over to show you the girl you'll be staying in, they've got one little out of the centre, which makes it harder to find. She's leading you there, and she says, Percy, how, how do you keep them together? I'm not sure I know the answer to that. <laughs> um, I, I guess when things have gone so spectacularly wrong at so many different junctures for all of us, then... There's kind of something of bonds that, that forms. We do look out for each other. Perhaps that's it. I've, one day I'm going to have to lead, and to me, you managed to lead a very disparate group. They do not they do not run as a herd in one direction. No. They scatter like birds on the wind. Yes, I don't really think of it as leading. It's more marshalling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're the herdsmen and they are the goats. That makes sense. Yeah, they're goats, so I would, yeah, I would say. <laughs> but no, seriously, they, they're all very driven in their own way, and actually that, that's quite a good thing. Yes, sort of discipline and prescription has its place, but that is not what this group's about, and we, we need that creativity to get us as far as we've gone. And when you have strange situations confronting you, then it's not always best to meet them head on, and I've kind of learnt that as we've gone along. Thank you, Percy. I, I appreciate that. You've reached the go, and she says, This should be far enough out from the centre that if you need some quiet, you can have it. Thank you very much. I was going to attempt to uh, work some magic in some divination. If you were able to hang around just in case anything goes wrong, I'd appreciate that. Certainly. No one will notice for a little while. I can uh, I can stand watch here. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold. I was going to say, I'm going to start playing the song I think she's into you, invite her into your yurt. <laughs> I love that song. It's my favourite! I'm going to sing along. Yeah, Enigma's flipping out. We're all going to get to the yurt and there's just going to be a sock on the door and be like, wait, what's this mean? <laughs> right, no Banbury, come away. Come away, we'll tell you about this another time. Um, yeah, I'm going to cast Divination. Name a person, place, or thing you want to learn about. Your deity grants you visions of the target. As clear as if you were there. Um, I want to know more about the devices oh, okay. that yes. they were using and discussing. And when I was last scrying, I, did they have one there? You didn't see one, no. Or were they just discussing it? Yeah. Okay. But it is a thing that I know about. Yeah, okay. So what does Percy do as he begins this? So he marks out his circle. Yeah, I guess so. Same as he has before, really. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, so he'll have a, a sit-down mark out circle, and then in the floor in front of him, which I guess is probably going to be dust. Yeah. Then, as he's casting the spell, mark out an image of the thing. Yeah. Which, obviously, not having seen it, will be a conceptualisation of it. Yes. But that just sort of serves as a, a focus for the spell. 
So what you see after a time, you see a forge. And in the forge, there are some smiths working at anvils. And they seem to be doing fine wire work. And then you can see on one side these... They look almost like cloak pins or something. They're quite small. They're lying on a bench at one side. And you see someone in uniform come in and pick up a whole set of them. Then your view moves through after them. And it's as though you're gliding along behind them. Obviously, Percy wouldn't have a reference point of like a follow cam, but that's what's going on. Slightly shaky cam as well, you know, scrying's trying to look a bit more edgy. (laughs) It's got a blue filter on it. Yeah. (laughs) They take them out and they come out to what looks like a drill ground. And it's clearly in some kind of fortification. And you see them start handing out these little pins to the members of this group of fighters. And then... They hand a different pin, one that looks more complex and larger. So they're a little like a kind of spiral with a circle in the centre with a stone of some kind in it. And then the more complex one is a cross with the stone in the middle. And they hand that to the officer in this group. And what you see is that once they have them, they move into some drills And they seem to be able to move in absolute unity. And as the leader changes, it's like the whole unit changes with them. So they can wheel, they can change formation very, very quickly and very smoothly. You can see them moving from a straight line to like a jagged triangular assault formation and then back into a square block And they do it faultlessly. Like, you've seen a lot of military drills, Hmm. and you've rarely seen them so well executed as this. Through the eyes of divination, you can see pale lines of cold power linking them all together, and they're all centred on the officer. Does the officer one have a line that leads anywhere else? They do not in this case. Okay. So uh, that's what your vision shows you. Excellent. When the vision ends, then I will ask here. Here, who's waiting outside. If she has any parchment. She is able to find you some vellum, actually. Okay, excellent. You're kidding. Then I will thank her for that, and I will make a sketch of both of those symbols uh, whilst they're freshing my mind. Excellent. Okay, I will send you that sketch at some point. I'll make a note. Thank you. How's Banbury getting on in this? Yeah, it's good. He's just gone looking for Trevor, because... I don't know what happened. So Trevor kind of dissipated on your travels. Okay. He basically got smaller and smaller, and then at a certain point just there was kind of like a whoosh, and he was gone. But he'd had a lovely time hanging out with you. That's fine. In that case, Banbury won't go looking for Trevor. Well, he'll drag the spinner to the top of a roof, and he'll sit on that watching as the revelry pans out. It's not really his cup of tea, so he'll just... Uh, Sit there with parties going on around uh, and he'll be weaving a horrible, nasty curse into an otherwise standard object. Cool. That's a really cool image, actually. So Tristan's like playing this crazy music. Enigma is 
going full drunk mum at a wedding in the middle of the dance floor. (laughs) (laughs) I really like this kind of image, like it's night, the stars are bright, the fires are burning and you can see everyone surrounded by light and it kind of pans out from that and there's just Bambri in this spinning wheel on top of a girl balanced on the roof wheel while the music plays and the party continues. who are playing first and as you come over the that's the song they're playing <laughs> yeah I'm gonna cast divination on her tits no <laughs> yeah on her tits say that out I do not want that in the episode <laughs> name a person place or thing you want to learn about your date he grants you visions of the target as clear as if you were there yeah I'm gonna name her tits <laughs> thanks Tristan <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a pervy spell if you use it in the just use know. it on yeah. the girl's locker for some reason I'm imagining typing it into the divination search bar <laughs> the girl's locker room <laughs> it turns out if Tristan had it it would be a very bad spell 